Hello, Incredible One. Welcome to the Incredible Factor Business Podcast, the place to be to grow a business that shakes the planet. I'm your host, business growth coach, Darnielle J. Harmon. Join me each week for inspiring stories, powerful interviews, and business growth strategy to help you experience abundance in your life because of your business. Oh, and one more thing. On this podcast, I'm going to keep it all the way real with you about the good, the bad, and the incredible of entrepreneurship. But don't worry, it's all for your good so that you can build a business that funds the life you crave. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, Incredible One. Darnielle here. Welcome back. This episode is powered by the Breakthrough and Business Experience, which is happening May 21st through the 24th, just outside of Philadelphia in Wilmington, Delaware. And listen, if you are tired of sitting in struggle in your life and in your business, and you are ready to strut in significance so that you can experience everything that you have been craving and praying for, Breakthrough in Business is for you, and you can learn more by going to BreakthroughInBusinessEvent.com. This is a three-day, highly spiritual, highly experiential mindset shift incubator for entrepreneurs on the cusp of growth. If you are ready to break through to your next everything, your next spiritual level, freedom, your impact, your influence, your next money milestone, your next level growth, your next level living, next level in relationships, next level in your health, next level everything, then I have a breakthrough with your name on it. Breakthroughinbusinessevent.com, breakthroughinbusinessevent.com. We'll also put it in the show notes for you. Okay. So I know, looking at the title of this episode, you're probably wondering, what in the world was I thinking? Can I be truthful and keep it real with you? I'm thinking about money. I remember being a child and getting a dollar from my grandfather, as an example. And that dollar would literally burn a hole in my pocket. I would have to run to the corner store and spend all of my money on dollar candy. You remember that? Penny candy, not dollar candy. I had to do it. And so, yes, I'm talking about money. And I'm going to be honest with you. This episode is probably going to be longer because we have a lot to deal with. In today's episode, I want to have a very real conversation with you about money. We're going to talk about what it is, why you struggle with it, why you don't have as much of it as you want, all of that and so much more. Truthfully, we're going to talk about your money consciousness and your relationship with money and how you can experience a shift to welcome more money into your life. Because let's just keep it real. We need money. We put so much emphasis on it, largely when we don't have any, right? We create this energy around it that makes it really, really challenging in order to welcome more in it. And what I really want to do is I want to dispel some of the myths that exist. I want to open you up to what is possible for you. I personally get so amazed at how uncomfortable people get when I bring up money. And I talk about money all the time, all the time. Write this down. You can love God and want to make boatloads of money. You do not have to choose. And there is nothing wrong with you for wanting to have boatloads of money. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with you. So you have got to decide, incredible one, that you are going to stop being guilted and made to feel like there's something wrong with you because you want money. 
And truth be told, if you are a believer like I am, it's what God wants for you too. In fact, it's what God wants for you, even if you're not a believer, but especially for those of you who believe in Jesus and who believe that Jesus died and gave his life, that you might have life and have it to the full or in abundance, depending upon which version of the Bible you are reading from, God wants you to have it too. It's why in Deuteronomy, quite honestly, he gave you the power to create wealth. And I know when you think about wealth, how can you not think about money? But most of us think about abundance and forget about the money, right? Now, yes, abundance as well as wealth are so much more than the money. But let's face it, you don't have as much as you want (laughs) and it's messing with everything. And that incredible one has to stop. Now, I have to tell you, it wasn't always easy for me to talk about money. (laughs) There was a time when I definitely let money almost take me out of the game. And I got it honestly, right? I believe that most of us have a backstory around money. And we're going to talk a little bit about that during our time together. And hopefully I'll be able to help you to unpack that for yourself. And my own money backstory, my very first memory of money, I was three years old. I remember going with my mother to the grocery store. I was walking, I was moving and shaking. And I remember being in the grocery store and there being items on my level, not necessarily things that I wanted or even thought that I might want at three years old, but there were things on my level and I would grab them and, you know, hold on to them. I remember one specific thing and I can't tell you what it was, but it was small enough to fit in my hand as a three-year-old. And I remember holding it. And when we got up for my mom to pay for the groceries, I remember relinquishing that from my hand and moving it in the direction of my mom to pay. And I remember being met with a great big smack. (laughs) And a, a smack because we didn't have money for that as my mom yelled at me. And who did I think I was to think we had extra money for things that we wanted. And she said, money is only for what you need. Can I keep it real with you? Listen, that right there jacked me all the way up for the longest amount of time in my life. And then circa age nine or 10, I can remember being in middle school in the sixth grade, um, or maybe it was 11, because I remember being in the sixth grade and there was a field trip. And some of my little girlfriends we're all getting these t-shirts made in order to go on the trip. And I wanted to get a t-shirt made, but you know, I was 10 or 11. I didn't have money. And I remember coming home and asking my father, by this time we were living with my father because my mom had gone to jail. And I remember asking my father for the $15 to get the t-shirt. And I remember him saying, what do you think? I have a tree out back that has money on it. Money doesn't grow on trees. In fact, you have to work hard for money. And then let's fast forward again to age 16 and I am working hard for money. I started working summers and each week and over the weekend at the local fast food restaurants that were near my home at 13. So yeah, I had, (laughs) I worked at McDonald's. I worked at uh, Roy Rogers. I worked at Boston Market. I worked everywhere that was on my little strip of street until I was old enough to go and work at the mall, which you had to be 16 to do. And so I remember working in all of those restaurants. And I remember when I first started at McDonald's, that was the first one. 
And I remember my dad taking me to the bank when I got my first paycheck. And he told me, he said, you're going to put half of every check in the month in, in the bank. You're going to save money so that you'll have money when you need it. And that was a great lesson, right? And I remember religiously half of every check going into the bank and then the other half burned a hole in my pocket. And I would go and I would spend it on whatever it is that I wanted. It was pretty cool to be 13 years old and to be in control of my own destiny to a certain extent, or at least my materialistic destiny. And to be able to control what clothes I wore and I bought them. And there was just a real sense of pride and accomplishment that went along with having my own money. And I remember 16, I didn't have cheerleading practice. And so I got home before my father. And I remember grabbing the mail. And in the mail was my bank statement was for Delaware Trust, which does not even exist anymore. And so we're talking 16. So I don't even know how old I am at that point in time. Let me do some quick math. I was born in 75, so let's add 16. So we're talking about 1991. So I'm a sophomore, about to be a junior in, co in college, in high school. And I get the mail, no cheerleading practice. I get the mail. I remember tearing open my bank statement. Now, we had set up this account when I was 13. So we're talking about three years. I could work 10 hours throughout the week. Um, and then I could work one weekend day. So we're talking about 18 hours a week at whatever minimum wage was at the time, maybe four or $5 an hour. And in the summers, I worked 40 hours a week. So we're talking about some cash, right? So I had all of this money, putting it in the bank every two weeks. And I get the statement, I open the statement up. I'm expecting to be met with about, I should have had about $7,500 in the bank. And I remember retrieving that statement and I had something crazy like 200 and some dollars and 19 cents. I can't even remember. I think it was like $234 and 19 cents. And I am livid because I think that we've been robbed. I mean, have you ever had a moment like that where you have an expectation of something and then you get to the reality of it and all hell breaks loose? Well, that's exactly what happened with me. It took what seemed like forever for my father to get home that day because I needed to have a conversation with him because he was the only other person listed on this bank account. And we needed to go to the bank pronto because they had done something with my money. I'm looking up the FDIC to figure out how I can get my money back because I'm just assuming that someone has gone into my bank account and they have taken my money out without my permission or there's some glitch in the system and we have got to get to the bottom of this. So finally, after what seems like hours, my dad saunters in from work and I, I don't even give him a chance put his keys down. I immediately barged towards him. Dad, take a look at this. Something's wrong with my bank account. And so I, you know, rush over with the statement. I show him how the beginning balance was over $7,000, but the current balance was less than $300. And you know what my father said to me? He kind of put his keys down, took off his jacket and relaxed and said, oh, you thought you were living here for free? Can you talk about feeling punched in the gut, like bubbling over because you just got sucker punched? That's exactly what happened. I got sucker punched. And I learned another really valuable money backstory lesson that would stick with me forever, right? That even hard work does not guarantee you money. Okay, now let's fast forward. So I'm an adult. 
I'm, you know, I've got my own job. I'm, I'm making money. I've got credit cards. I'm not even, we're not going to have a conversation about the credit cards because that was something else that hoodwinked and bamboozled me in my youth and college. But I'm an adult and I'm still struggling with money because something is off in my relationship with money. So let's, let me define relationship with money for you. So a relationship with money refers to the way you interact and communicate with the money that you have, should have, used to have, want to have, wish you had, and how all of that affects you in your life and business on a daily basis. Yeah. Just like you have a relationship with individual people, you have a relationship with money. And what I've come to learn after 11 years in business and working with countless entrepreneurs and helping them to shift their mindset so that they can welcome in financial and spiritual abundance, man, your relationship with money will jack you up. It'll jack you all the way up if you're not careful. And so what I've come to understand is that it's important to A, identify what your relationship with money is and then understand why you need to more likely than not shift it. More likely than not, you need to shift your relationship with money, okay? And let's talk about why that's important. It's because at the end of the day, if you don't have a respectful relationship with money, it is possible that you will not create positive, affirming, life-giving thoughts and feelings about it and the lack of it will prevent you from bringing it into your life and business. You will more than likely undercharge or work for free unless you learn to challenge what you believe to be true about money. So for those of you who are listening to this episode that money has consistently over the years burned a hole in your pocket, I have something for you, right? Because the, the point of the matter is we have to allow you to make the shift. Most people, you are not alone struggle with discussing anything that relates to money. They struggle with money in and of itself. They are the people who are always robbing Peter to pay Paul. They are the people who get paid and immediately the money has already been spent. They are the people who are often living beyond their means and not creating an opportunity to access what they want when they want it. There's always a sense of urgency or a sense of stress around money for a lot of people. You would not be alone if you found yourself falling into that category. Let's talk about why most people struggle with a relationship with money and why their relationship with money is less than favorable. Nine times out of 10, it's because of how you spend your time and how you spent your time as you were growing up. Now, you've probably heard me talk about your inner seven-year-old, and I'm gonna do an entire episode on your inner seven-year-old for the podcast because it is that powerful. But in your early years, and maybe even still to this day, most people are being hoodwinked and bamboozled around money and they're being programmed subconsciously. We've talked about your subconscious mind, right? You're watching TV shows. Like, let's talk about the TV shows I used to watch back in the day. And I'll be the first to admit that my relationship with money was all types of jacked up. I used to watch Laverne and Shirley. I used to watch Happy Days. I mean, Fonzie's office was the bathroom. <laughs> it doesn't get any more poverty stricken than that. I used to watch Good Times. I used to watch All in the Family and Mel's Diner. And you know what all of these shows have in common? They all depict money as if it is a problem and that having it is 
something that will continue to elude you, every single one of them. How many times have you been struck and struggling with money? It's about the language of money, right? It's about raising your money consciousness because lack of money is not a circumstance, it's a mindset. Did you hear me? Let me repeat myself. Lack of money is not a circumstance. It's not a reality in your life. It's a mindset. It's a mindset that you have given into and it's creating an environment for you to not get everything that you want. And it's based on the things you've taken in. So whether you've taken them in through watching your parents and their relationship with money, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, or you've taken it in from watching television. Hell, it could even be because of you watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians or the Real Housewives and how frivolous some of them may be with money. And that might create a reaction in you that is less than favorable and threatens the way you see money and keeps you bound in a situation where there's never enough money for you to change your situation. But here's what you need to know. It is challenging to be of service in an incredible way if you don't have money, right? I think about my own desires when it comes to money, right? Part of the reason I wanted to grow my business to a million dollars was for my philanthropic interest. It's challenging to be of service if you don't have money, right? I didn't want to make a million dollars just to sit high on the hog and look down at the little people. I wanted to make a million dollars so that I can enact change, so that I could be the change I wanted to be. I could be the change that I wanted to see in the world, right? And it requires that. You think of the Bill Gateses or the Oprah Winfrey's of the world and how they are using their money for good. It is challenging to be of service if you don't have money. And if you don't have money, it's not because there's a shortage of it. Write this down. Money is all around you. Money is literally an energy. It's a transactional energy. It was created as legal tender to to allow us to transact, to give and receive. That's it. We put so much more emphasis on money than we actually should. And it is the reason why we are struggling to experience life at the next level. And that next level is whatever it means for you, right? Because it's something different for every single one of us. But we will continue to struggle and be challenged by money if we don't change the way we think about money. So I want to share one of my favorite quick activities with you to help you to change the way you look at money, okay? So I want you to write down the name of your most prized loved one. Who loves you the most, right? So it could be your mother or it could be, you know, your parent, it could be your child, it could be your spouse or significant other, sister, write them down, whoever that is, write their name down. Then I want you to describe your relationship with that person. And you may have done this exercise before. This is not a secret exercise. It's one of my favorites just to get you thinking differently about money, right? So I want you to describe your relationship with this person that you love the most, that loves you the most. So for me, I'm going to say my husband, right? And when I think about my relationship with my husband, it's safe. It is affirming. There, it's secure. There's a trust in it. It, it. He protects me. He's always thinking about me and my highest good and how he can support me. He loves me unconditionally. He's there for me every time I need him. And he doesn't tell me no. 
which I really love that part. So I want you in the same grain to think about your relationship with the person that you love the most, that loves you the most. You're probably going to say similar things. You're probably going to talk about being, feeling cared for, feeling loved, feeling supported, feeling like they're there for you, that there's this unconditional, unconditional, why can I not talk? This unconditional effect to your love and your relationship, right? Now, I want you to, where you wrote their name now, I want you to cross that out and I want you to put money. And I want to know what just happened for you. What would happen if your relationship with money was like your relationship with the person who loves you the most, right? What would happen? When I did this exercise for the very first time, it immediately ignited a new normal in me. Because I stopped feeling like money was against me, right? I felt like up until that point that I had to work hard for money. There would never be enough money. Money was only for the things that I, I needed. All of the things I observed from my parents and those around me as I was growing up and as I came into adulthood. But in a split second, when I started to think about money as the person who loves me the most, when I personified money, everything changed. I started to realize that money was for me. Money wanted the best for me. Money was my security. Money would never leave me. Money would never fail me. Money would always be there when I needed it. And you know what? I started to experience what I like to call avalanches of abundance because of that. I started to realize that I deserved money. I, just like I deserve love, just like you deserve love, you deserve money because it's literally just an energy that allows you to transact, period. We put too much time and energy in and around money. And based on our own money backstory, whatever our family and the conditions of our existence in the early years have led us to believe that money is, it is nine times out of 10, what is still flowering us and either helping us or hindering us when it comes to money. So I have five questions I want you to ask yourself right now. Number one, what is your money backstory? What is the first conversation you can recall when you knew there was a thing called money? That is your money backstory. And I'm gonna encourage you to write it out, to write down your money story. Because until you know the story, you can't conquer what you're unwilling to confront and you can't change and shift your reality until you know your story. Second question, what were the conversations that you were privy to of people who either had or didn't have money? I remember my father talking in the kitchen with one of his good friends, Calvin, they worked together at GM. And they were talking about one of the top VPs at GM at the time and how he was rich. He was like stinking, filthy rich. Those were their exact words, stinking, filthy rich. And they were talking about him as if they were talking about a dog. Like just totally, this was before there was a thing called hateration, right? But they were just totally hating on that man and talking about how he didn't deserve that money. They were exuding jealousy and, and rage and hatred over this man because this man had money and they were exuding it as if 
it would never be possible for it to be a reality for them. My dad used to talk about rich people all the time and he never talked about them in a good way. He made being rich seem undesirable, like no one would want it. And you know what I did? I internalized that. So very early in my adulthood and professional career, I couldn't fathom being rich and being wealthy because that meant I might be a bad person because my dad <laughs> talked about these people so terribly. So what stories are you recalling around money and how have they seeped into your business and the way you price yourself? That usually makes people uncomfortable, right? If you have low ticket offers, if you have more low ticket offers than you have high ticket offers, nine times out of 10, it's because you got a money backstory issue and you need to shift your relationship with money. You have negative emotions that are linked to your money backstory and the way you see money. And that will continue to affect the way you show up in your business. If you want to shift your money mindset, you're going to have to do this work. When I'm working with clients, it's typically one of the very first things we'll do is spend some time looking at their money consciousness and their money backstory and me helping them to break through to a new money reality. Because the fact of the matter is this, and you may or may not be able to see it as I say it, but I want you to write it down anyway. Money is just an energy and you can have anything you want with money. In fact, you can afford anything you want. So whenever you say, I don't have the money, it's not really your reality, it's your mindset. I'm gonna say that again, and I might say it three or four more times. Whenever you are focused on a lack of money, it's a circumstance, it's a current, an occurrence. It, it isn't your reality, it's a mindset, right? You may think that not having money is your reality, you may think that not having money is your circumstance, it's your lot in life, but the fact of the matter is it is literally just a mindset that you have adopted. And I need you to know this, your mind will always dictate the way that wealth shows up for you. Always and forever. No matter what you do, it will always happen that way. There will be no way around it at any particular point in time. And the, the day that starts to change for you is the day that you realize that you can have anything you want, anything you want, whenever you want it. That's the good news. That's the bad news, maybe. It's everything you need to know. And you need to know that no amount of money can come into your life unless you change the way you see yourself. That's the only way it's going to happen. And you have to start this process. Number one, step number one is forgiving your money past. Forgiveness is so key into unlocking what it is that you desire. You have to forgive your money past. So how has money let you down in the past? And who is responsible for the way you see money? How would you forgive them? And money. What would it take for you to forgive them in money? For you to forgive what money has been to you in the past, right? So let's think about your parents. What was your parents' behavior around money? What did they regularly say about money? And how do they think about money now? So I'll, I'll go first while you think it through. So it was different. So my parents divorced when I was two. 
So we were with my mom until I was about eight. And then my dad took us when my mom went to jail. With my mom, she never there was never enough money. She was always in a sense of urgency and an act of desperation. She was always trying to find a way to make ends meet. She did a lot of illegal stuff. She did what she had to do, right? That's what she would say. But there was never enough money. She taught me that very first lesson that money is only for what you need. You don't get to have what you want with money. It's only for the things that you need. And then with my father, my father was pretty stingy. <laughs> I'm not even going to be nice and call him frugal. No, he was straight up stingy. He would pinch a penny and 25 cents would fall out. That's how stingy he was. And so he ran our house that way. He was probably definitely considered middle class. He was a civil engineer. Uh, he was making good money. So as I was, you know, raised in the eighties and nineties, he was probably making about 50 or $60,000 a year, which is pretty good money, right? Middle-class. And, but we lived like we had almost nothing. He was the most penny pinching money conscious person I've ever met in my life. But he also had this belief, this core belief that he had to work hard for money. So he worked really long hours. He was always traveling. He almost never had time for us. And if I had to tell you what I think my parents think about money now, I would say it's the same. I still see the same patterns that they created in me and my brothers and sisters in their lives to this day. And they are 67 and 65 just to give you an example, right? So what was your parents' behavior around money? What did they say regularly about money and how do they think about money now? I want you to do this work. I want you to ask yourself these questions. Then let's move on to your centers of influence. So what do they think or feel about money? What do they say about money? And then what happens when you're out to eat a meal with one of them and the check shows up? Does someone grab it? and easily and effortlessly make the attempt to pay it? Or does everyone act as if nothing happened or and or create a distraction to avoid dealing with money? Which one is it? Now, uh, uh, probably about seven years ago, no, maybe even longer than that. Seven years ago would be 2012, no. So 2011 was the very first time I joined a mastermind. and. It was really, really powerful for me to be in a mastermind with people who were making money in their business and to see how they lived and what they thought about money. They, for the most part, were positive and life-affirming and they saw money for what it was, literally an energy that they could create. They were investing in themselves at the highest of levels. They were living their best lives. They were experiencing great vacations in wonderful places. They were not struggling by any stretch of the imagination. I remember going out to dinner with these people very early on and any one of them grabbing the check and just being gracious with their resources to allow all of us to have an experience that could have changed our lives. You want to spend your time with people like that. So I want you to think about the people that you're spending your time with. Think about what they are adding to or taking away from your relationship with money. Are they creating more fear and agita or are they opening you up to the possibility that you are entitled and deserve to experience a bunny and that you are a money magnet and money flows easily and effortlessly 
to you all day long, whether you're asleep or awake? Which is it? And then I also want you to think about your spouse or significant other and how they feel about money and what your conversations are around money. And if you argue about money and how that impacts your relationship. I was having a conversation a few weeks ago with a potential client who was all in. They wanted to join the program, but they needed to have a conversation with their spouse. And so I asked, as I often do, oh, I didn't realize that your spouse was in your business. What's their role? And she was, she was like, no, he's not in my business, but I like to run money things around by him because they may, might impact him. And I was like, oh, would you just mind sharing a little bit more about that and explaining that to me? Because she's in a business where she was generating over $100,000 a year. So she, you know, is doing okay in her business and her husband doesn't have a role in her business. So why she considered her? And I just asked a simple question. I said, so let me ask you this. If you want to buy a new pair of shoes, do you have to ask your husband? And she goes, oh, of course not. And I said, well, why do you need to talk with your husband about this? And so she started to talk to me about the way he sees money. She was all in. She wanted to invest, but it could come up and cause a problem in her marriage if she didn't communicate about it with her husband in advance so that he wouldn't feel some type of way when he found out about it because his relationship with money and his stance with money was totally different than hers. And I'll be honest, I didn't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole because I don't get involved in domestic disputes. But at the same time, I just left her with a piece of advice that if you're going to spend money, I've got my fingers in the air quotes, I know you can't see them, you're going to spend money so that you can get a return. It's not an expenditure, it's an investment. We're talking about making an investment that is going to help you to generate more money and bring even more money into, the business, into your business and into your household. Is there any reason why your husband will have a problem with you generating more money? And she said, no. And I said, so my recommendation for you is that you find a, a better way to couch this need to communicate with your spouse around the things that you're doing in your business that are contributing to your household in a positive way in life. And I just really left that with her to sit with just because it's touchy. It's always touchy. The way your spouse or significant other views money is going to impact the way you view money. It's possible that you might project your core values around money onto them or vice versa, and that is going to show up in different ways. And that could either help or hinder the hole that money has been creating in your pocket. So you do have to really get clear about what your core values are around money where they came from, are they serving you, and if you need to make adjustments to them so that you can be better served by them. That's going to be really, really important too. And in all of this, it's going to be important to think about and check in on your money mindset and how it's showing up in your life. So here are a few things that I would love for you to check in on the next time you're thinking about money or worrying about money. And hopefully you will stop worrying about money and start realizing that as an entrepreneur in your own business, you have a printing press out back and you can print money whenever you want. So there's never anything that you can't have unless you decide you don't really want it. That's entrepreneurship, right? And one of the things I love about my work is helping people to understand how to truly unlock the best that life has for them in accordance to the abundance and will of God through entrepreneurship. 
That's the powerful thing, right? So let's do this quick check-in. So when you visualize yourself wealthy, and if you do not visualize yourself wealthy, I highly recommend that you begin to do so. But when you visualize yourself wealthy, how does it feel? Do you feel pressure in your shoulders? Or do you feel a light and airy, giddy almost feeling around it? I want you to write that down. I want you to know, or when you get a moment, depending upon how you're listening and taking in this podcast, I really want you to come back to this episode. I want you to ask yourself that question. When you visualize yourself wealthy, how do you feel? Second check-in question, do you have any fear around money? Do you have any fear around money? The fear of not having enough? The fear of paying too much taxes? Um, Those are just some examples of fear that you could be experiencing around money that's keeping you from bringing more of it into your life. Do you compare yourself with others as it pertains to money? Do you look, are you a voyeur, right? Are you live on Facebook living vicariously through someone else and using that experience or whatever you identify from this other person to either cloud or dictate who you should be? How about when you get bills in the mail? How do you act, feel, and respond? And how do you feel when you're paying your bills? Are you happy and grateful? Are you like, oh, these bills? Because all of that energy that you're expending is hampering and not helping your money mindset. It's not opening you up to stop money from burning a hole in your pocket. And what do you think before you purchase or invest in something? And I say purchase or invest because they are different, right? Buying a pair of shoes is a purchase. Buying a new car is an investment, right? And there are some of you who might argue that buying a pair of shoes is an investment. I don't know that I'd I'd argue with you. I could be persuaded to believe that. But what do you think before you make a purchase? Do you think that the world's going to end? Like, Ask yourself, or maybe if you're a person who has a lot of gift cards, like you haven't spent them, you're saving them for a rainy day. Do you know that that's a lack mindset? Because saving for a rainy day means that you may, like the need may arise and you can't create more. Like there's nothing you could ever do to experience more gift cards or more money, right? And if you have children, what do you tell them about money? What are you saying to your children? Because I hope you know that as a parent, you are influencing their money backstory and the way that money will be perceived by them and show up in their life. And what I want for you to know above anything is that you deserve to have more money than you can spend, give, invest, or save. Let me repeat that. You deserve to have more money than you can spend, give, invest, or save. But you will continue to not have the money that you desire until you conquer and confront your fears, limiting beliefs, and self-sabotage that you have placed in your way as it pertains to money. Until your relationship with money changes, this will continue to show up for you. But it can begin to change when you decide to shift your energy around the way that you see money. When you build a relationship with money, right? When you have a a healthy admiration and and respect for money, then everything can change. 
Because it again, I can't say it enough, it is literally just an energy. Just an energy. Really quick, I want to talk to you about the four money personalities. So this could be part of the reason why money is burning a hole in your pocket. This could be why, right? One of these reasons. So there are four money personalities. You have the miser, the monk, the spender, and the avoider. Most of us are one of the four in, in like the largest way, but most of us have a little bit of all four. So the miser is the person who's very frugal. They are watching every penny. They are pinching every penny. They are choosing the no frills version over the name brand, right? Or the store version, because I don't know that they have no frills anymore. I might be dating myself, right? So they could get Lysol, but they could just as easily get the great value version because it's the same thing. So they get the great value version. Misers. Misers are always thinking about money, but in a way that makes them feel like it might run out, like it's not an infinite supply. Then you have monks. Monks, who, monks are people who don't believe they deserve money, and so they constantly are giving it away. Rather than have it themselves, they just give it away to other people because it's easier and they have a deserve issue that they need to work through. Spenders use money to compensate for the things that they feel like they don't have or what's missing from their personality. So they will overcompensate with money. They buy their friends, right? So you go out to dinner and to make yourself feel special, you treat everyone. Those are spenders. And avoiders don't even know about money, right? They don't even know about money. Personally, I kind of vacillate between spender and miser personally, but I have my monk moments. I don't ever have avoid moments because I love money. Money and I have an amazing relationship. It's always there for me. It supports me fully. It wants the best for me. And so I stay connected in a positive life-affirming way to money. So I'm never avoiding it. There are times when I spend, I spend less to fulfill a need or to fill a void like I used to. I used to fill my voids that way, especially when I was single and lonely. I would buy, I owned a lot of materialistic stuff. It made me feel better temporarily at least. And I had to acknowledge that and learn that about myself and deal with my money backstory in order to change it. I love to give, but I don't give at the expense of myself, but I give because it unlocks, unlocks spiritual principles to allow me to experience more of what I crave in my life. The more you give, the more you get. I know you've heard of that, right? Some call it the law of reciprocity. But the more you put out there in giving energy, the more you receive back and receiving energy to access all that it is that you crave. And I definitely have a miser. There are times when my husband will say, um, yeah, I don't want to talk to your miser right now. Can you bring your spender? <laughs> like I can channel which personality I'm working through. So you need to know which you are and how it might be affecting the way you're showing up in your life and in your business. In your business, you have to know that scared money don't make money. Here's what I mean by that. If you are not investing in yourself, let's say, let's say you have a product or service and you sell it for $500. And let's say that product or service is changing people's lives and it really should be sold for $5,000. So it should be at minimum 
you know, a massive increase over what you're selling it for. And let's say you don't realize that because you're not investing in yourself. And I'm going to pick on coaches. And I'm going to pick on coaches and consultants because if you are a coach or a consultant and you don't have your own coaches and consultants, it's almost like you don't even believe in your own industry, but you're expecting other people to invest in themselves through you. That's scared money. If you're not investing, if you're not um, lending your resources to get access to the things that you want at any time, you, that's scared money. And your money will always be limited by the fear that you exude when it comes to money. But as you start to unlock and you start to invest and sow seeds and, and plant seeds in yourself through other people and their skill sets and what they bring to the table, what you'll notice is that same energy will unlock for you and people will start to invest. But if you are afraid to invest in yourself through other people, it's probably part of the reason why you don't have the clients that you want. And while that's a slight tangent, it's completely relevant to money burning a hole in your pocket or not having money or your money consciousness and money backstory issues. You're going to have to make the shift because scared money don't make money and you need to know that and you need to know that now, right? So one of the things that I will often tell people that when we're having a money issue is I will ask them when was the last time they invested in themselves and invested in themselves at the level that they expect people to invest in them, right? So if you have a $10,000 program because it sounds nice and it feels good, but you've never invested in a $10,000 program, then there's going to be a misalignment there that you're going to have to t contend with. And it's going to prevent the money that you're wanting from coming into your life because scared money don't make money. You have to invest at the level that you want to exceed and achieve in your own life. And the same goes with not only investing with giving, right? There was a point in time in my life where giving $100 was a stretch. Now that's easy peasy, right? So then I moved on to giving $1,000 until that became easy peasy. And then I moved on to giving $10,000 at a time because here's what you need to know. When you give and you give freely, unabashedly, unapologetically, and without needing an ego stroke to do so, you only open yourself up to experience more and more and more of what it is you, free, you freely gave. If you want money to stop burning a hole in your pocket, you got to start investing in yourself and start giving. This is why the power of tithing is so important. And that tithe can go wherever you find inspiration. It doesn't necessarily have to be to a building. Of course, giving to the church, if that's your desire, is totally fine. But wherever you get inspiration is where you tithe. And when you unlock that law, you open yourself to up to a wealth consciousness that brings more wealth into your life experience. Now, I know we've been talking a lot about money and your money personality and, and the hole that money is burning in your pocket when you don't understand what it is that you need to know and shift and change about money. So one more exercise around shifting your money consciousness and then I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> I'm going to come down off of my money pedestal and, and send you off into the world to make some shifts in the way you see money and the way you relate to money so that you can begin to experience more of it. And if you would like some support around this, then I highly, highly recommend that you go to my Six Figure Cash Flow Club on Facebook. 
sixfigurecashflowclub.com is a totally amazing place. And let me further say that if you need some support and help around unearthing this, you really need to be at Breakthrough because I do have a breakthrough with your name on it, not only around money, but around the areas that money impacts in your life so that you really can unlock everything that it is that you truly crave. So shifting your money consciousness is going to look like this. So number one, first thing I want you to do is I want you to write down the most you've ever charged for your service. So for me, if I were doing this exercise with you, the most I've ever charged for my service to an individual entrepreneur, small business owner is $60,000. And then I want you to add a zero to the end. So I, my $60,000 just became $600,000. And this is the question I want you to answer for yourself. If you could charge that amount for your service, what would you spend your time on each day? What would you no longer put up with? What would you stop tolerating? How would you spend your time? I know I'm going fast. Let me slow down and back it up. If you could charge that new number, once you put the zero on the end for your service, how would you spend your time each day? What would you focus on? What would you no longer put up with? What would you delegate? What would you remove from your environment? Everything you're writing down, it needs to go anyway, right? Because that's the key to unlocking more of what it is that you crave in your life. But you have to be willing to experience the shift because you need to understand that God is not holding anything back from you. And everything you desire, everything that you crave is already here. And it can be unlocked for you as soon as you shift your relationship with money and unlock everything that has been in the way for you seeing money for what it truly is. Literally just an energy, one that you deserve to have more than enough of. One that there is no limit to you achieving at any particular point in time any particular point in time, right? You have got to decide that money comes to you in increasing quantities from multiple sources on a continuous basis. And that money is flowing to you from both expected and unexpected sources at all times. And that you deserve to be and truly are a powerful money magnet And that money flows to you in avalanches of abundance so that you can openly share your wealth with others. That incredible one is what I want for you. That is what I want for you. When I pray for you, my prayer for you as a result of you listening to this episode of the podcast is that you would shift your relationship with money and step into a place where money serves you where money opens up to you everything that you ever desired and that you would be willing to take on fiscal responsibility to access that wealth and abundance every single time you serve a client. That incredible one is my prayer for you. And until next time, I'll be holding the space for your biggest breakthrough yet. Take care. Thank you for joining me for the Incredible Factor Business Podcast. I'd love to help you grow a business that shakes the planet. Get started today by joining our exclusive community at sixfigurecashflowclub.com. And if you enjoyed our time together, do yourself a favor, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. 
Until next time, you deserve a business that funds the life you crave. Take care.